Welcome in, everybody, to the Red Sox Beat podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video content. Your host, John Zanis, at least for now. And we are going to get right into it. We are welcomed by Mass Live's Chris Cotillo. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, I'm not going to bury the lead here. I'm just going to go ahead and tell all of our listeners right now what the big news is, which is starting next week, uh, right before the home opener, we're going to drop a new episode with your brand new host, who is going to be Chris Cotillo. So Chris, welcome. Welcome to uh, CLNS. I'm, I'm so glad you're going to be taking over the pod. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited. It's, uh, you know, I've been on the beat almost a year now, and this is going to be kind of a new adventure under the new medium to talk, and uh, I'm excited. Yep. Chris Cotillo, uh, a, 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 an MLB veteran. Uh, the one year on the beat, he's been at this for a long time. Uh, he's a terrific follow, and obviously uh, he's going to be with the team all year. Chris, you were just out in uh, Seattle to start the season, uh, and obviously we'll get into what's been going on in Oakland, but not a great start. I think the um, the obvious headline here, and again, you saw one start, and then we saw another one on, uh, on uh, uh, Tuesday night, I believe, Tuesday night with Chris Sale. Uh, there's a bit of panic right now over Chris Sale's velocity. And granted, I mean, he went six innings. It's by far the best start of the year. But I also think by far the most concerning start of the year because, I mean, yeah, you know, we all saw the radar gun, uh, 88, 89, 90. That's, that's all he had in the tank, a couple 92, and that's about it. Um, at, at this point in the season, how worried are you? Yeah, it's definitely a concern. You know, I tweeted out last night that it was one of the weirdest starts of Chris Sale's career. He had one strikeout in six innings, and someone responded to me and said, it's not weird, it's terrifying, which I think is a, is a good you know, pulse of how Red Sox fans feel about this right now. You know, he's a guy who we saw at times last year when we got to the summer months throwing 99-100, and he was maxing out at you know 100 miles an hour as a lefty at late in ballgames when he was really dealing. So it's definitely a concern. You know, we haven't seen this type of velocity uh from him, really, in his whole career, I think last night was the lowest of his entire career. And uh, he found a way to get the job done against Oakland. You know, the Red Sox obviously did lose, but um, it's not it's not the Chris Sale that we saw at points last year. There's an obvious buildup here. This guy has been a guy who has been shut down in years past. Last year, obviously, an example. He's run out of bullets previously and looked bad in September and October. So they're taking him along slowly. I think they're telling him to settle down a little bit. But still, uh, until we start seeing the, that velocity jump up a little bit, um, you know, fans are going to be concerned. Media is going to be concerned, even if Daniel Evandri and Alex Cora say there's nothing wrong. Right. And of course, you know, they're saying all the right things right now. I, I, I mean, you're saying fans. I think this, you know, and obviously fans talk radio. Uh, everybody has a has this knack of overreacting to both the positive and the negative. It's what we do. But right. I mean, right now, I think by far the more sane reaction is to freak out because, you know, it's not just, OK, it's early in the year and you can write this thing off as they didn't pitch a lot in spring training and he's building himself up. Or you and I had talked about this off uh, offline that uh, they're they're actively telling him, dude, keep it to 91, 92 to start. I don't want you out there throwing 97, 98, which is possible. But I don't think that's what's happening here because the, the dating back to last year when he inexplicably had that, you know, dip in velocity uh, after the shoulder injury, he was far less effective. And if that's the guy that we have right now, uh, that's, I mean, yeah, right. He could be what he was yesterday, but he kind of sort of becomes David Price, not Chris Sale, if that's all that he's got, you know, in the tank. Well, they definitely told him toward the end of last year, you know, you, we want you to settle down. They worked him back and they had, as Alex Cora says, we were you know, so privileged to have such a big lead in the division that we were able to work Chris back the way we did. So 
they were able to bring him back and like as an opener and a three inning start and finally build him up by the end of September. And in those starts, his velocity was really low. That was you know purposeful. I remember um, against Cleveland, against the Orioles, things like that. It was supposed to be low, and, and he was. And we saw at points in October, his velocity was up a little bit, whether that's adrenaline or whether he was you know, emptying the tank because the Red Sox were in the playoffs or whatever. So far, uh, in spring training, it wasn't great. In the regular season, it's been even worse than anticipated. And, and, and Tuesday you know, was obviously the worst of it. So it's, uh, it is a concern moving forward. If you have that guy throwing 99-100 with his off-speed stuff, it's obviously dominant. Last night he was able to be dominant without really using the fastball, which kind of speaks to how good his you know, secondary stuff can be. Um, but that's not something that I think the Red Sox want to sustain long term. I don't think they expect last night's pitcher to be the guy who they have for the rest of the year. But um, if he can get away with it for one night or a couple starts when he doesn't have his fastball, then um, it just kind of shows to me in a way, how impressive a pitcher Chris Sale is. Yeah, and and you're right. I mean, he is, people say this about, uh, you know, it's always going to be a manager or a pitching coach or like the same members of the media's reaction to say, velocity is not the most important thing, which yes, but mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with this, which is part of what makes him, you know, Pedro level dominant is 98-99 with those secondary pitches. Sure, he can pitch, but, you know, if he gets cute or he makes mistakes or he leaves an 89 mile per hour fastball up over the middle of the plate, it gets hit for a home run. You know, you can make mistakes at 97. You can't make them at 91 and 92. And, you know, as we talk about kind of working his way into it, yeah, Cora and Levangi both said what they said uh, about their, uh, you know, it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal. But sales comments last night I thought were a little troubling because he seemed searching. He said, I'm going to quote it, I'm still just trying to find it when asked about the velocity. I'm still working on some things with my mechanics, trying to find my space out there, trying to get comfortable and find a groove. Mechanically, does he look different to you? There was some talk in Seattle about wanting to get him some more extension on his delivery. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm not in Oakland, so I'm not sure exactly how they thought that went last night. Uh, but there was kind of a mechanical tweak after he struggled so badly on, on opening day that sure. um, they really wanted to get some more extension. Hopefully, you know, with that, some more command would come um, and obviously velocity as a result. You know, now the Red Sox are doing what they did last year. They're going to have him you know, pitch on an extra day's rest like they did it many times last year, manipulating off days, manipulating the fact that they have Brian Johnson and Hector Velasquez who are ready to start, you know, most of the time. Um, one of those guys will pitch the finale of the road trip on Sunday in Arizona, setting up Chris Sale for Tuesday. So he basically has a week between starts. Uh, he'll pitch in the home opener here at Fenway. And, um, you know, there'll be some adrenaline pumping there right after the ring ceremony with the crowd. First time uh, for the Red Sox back at Fenway since game two of the World Series. I think that'll be a really good test. Um, of where his velocity can stand. I think it's a better test than in front of 8,000 people in Oakland or whatever it was last night. Uh, you'll have really the Chris Sale for them, hopefully, that uh, they've had at times last year. I wouldn't expect them to be throwing 99-100, but somewhere in the 94-95 range uh, would be something that would be a good step forward. Maybe he's over the dead arm with a week of, of rest in between starts. Maybe the adrenaline helps, but I think the next – Start is a huge test for sale. Yeah. And again, it does feel David Pricey, you know, kind of in that first year where, you know, it, it, he, he experienced a dip in velocity almost like the second the ink was dry on the contracts with the Red Sox. He was 97, 96 the year before. And all of a sudden, you know, we were happy to see 94 out of him. And it was like, huh, you know, 
And so you're getting kind of a different picture. So this being not just year one, it's basically week one of the new contract to sale. Let's just say, for example, this is what he is. And he is, you know, 93, 94. And when he needs it, 95, 96 versus the hundred in the seventh inning, like you said, he was throwing late, late last or, you know, middle of last season. Uh, is he worth what they signed him for? If he can find a way to be effective, we've seen pitchers evolve over time. I also think that this isn't going to be something that's permanent. You know, we saw as recently as June, July, that guy. Yeah, um, throwing but we're playing in. the what-if game here. Right. I mean, if he can get outs like he did last night, that's the bottom line, however he does it. It's obviously really, unfortunately for him, magnified two weeks after he um, signed that $145 million deal. It's It's kind of the... That's what happens. Everything you do gets magnified once you sign a big deal. I think Bogart's getting thrown out twice by uh, Loriano in the last two days after signing his contract. That's not great timing for him either. But um, everything is going to be kind of under that microscope for sale in the first few weeks, first couple months, for a variety of reasons, not just the contract, but the shoulder stuff last year. The Red Sox insisted throughout the offseason that they're comfortable with his health, and they proved that. They really put their money where their mouth is, and in that regard, by giving him $145 million, you wouldn't do that if you had any health concerns, unless this was the most deep cover-up of all time, where they are so trying to fool the media and fool everybody that they gave him $145 million to make everybody feel like they were, you know, feeling good about his his MRI and everything. He's fine physically. The Red Sox are comfortable with that. Sales comfortable with that. So, um, yeah, I think it's a it's a results business if he's if he's getting the job done at 92 versus if he's getting the job done at 99. And I think, like I like you said, what if game? But I think there's going to be the natural progression where as things warm up, as he gets some more starts under his belt, we'll likely see yeah. you know an uptick in velocity. And uh, yeah, this conversation will seem seem far away at that. No, point. it's it look it's it's if you say so, you know, and this is again it's the it's the obvious it's the rational insane take, which is it's two weeks. Let him ramp it up. You never know where this goes. I mean, it's, it, there's a very interesting, I mean, it's a, all, not quite a parallel, but you know, there's, these same conversations were had and the circumstances are totally different with Gordon Hayward and the Celtics. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's worried about somebody coming out slow. I think they just want to know he's eventually going to get to where you want him to be. So I don't think anybody is going to care at all that Sale started the season out this way if he's back to what he was. Uh, you know, in the middle of last year, within a month, two months, it doesn't matter. You're taking the long view here. But again, you know, if something is wrong or something's different or something's not, you know, or this is it, I think that this conversation could linger. So we'll hopefully, again, Sale comes through this. Um, transitioning off of this, you know, we talked about Sale being among the Red Sox pitchers that uh, Cora really eased into things in the spring. And, you know, it worked last year. It's not working this year. It's not helped by having an 11-day road trip. And uh, any expectations for this team be tough to match anything they did last year. So you're expecting some sort of a step back. But if they come home, you know, Two wins, three wins on this on this road trip to start. Um, you know that's that's a tough hill to climb, even in a kind of a depressed you know uh, American League here uh, with so many bad teams. Uh, well, how do you think Cora handles this first you know kind of sort of crisis if the team continues to struggle the way they have been? Cora is an extremely confident guy. He's a guy who always speaks with a ton of conviction, and he did that kind of you know in the first time I. I saw some of his decisions questioned basically after Sunday's game. You know, he was he was defiant and defensive in, in response to, you know, some suggestions that they brought the pitchers along too slowly in spring training. He said nobody second guessed us when we did it last year. 
and he kept using the line, would you rather see Chris Sale you know, throw 100 right now or be pitching deep into October again? So he has a plan. He really, to me, gets backed it up. If you come in as a manager, you know, I think everybody agrees that he actually did have a big impact on the club last year. You come in as a manager in your first year in this market, win 108 games, and dominate in the playoffs, win three series on the road, and the World Series rang against the Yankees, who are incredible, the Astros, who are great, and the Dodgers, who are a very good team. I think you have some cachet to come in the next year and, you know, oh, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. if people he are questioning of, you. Yeah, he has a lot of rope. I mean, he right. did everything right, everything right in the postseason, and a lot of those were – against conventional thinking. So, yeah, I think he has a lot of rope, and I do think people really believe in him. I, I mean, I would say in my lifetime, uh, he's he's easily the most impactful Red Sox manager in my lifetime, uh, you know, maybe second to Bobby Valentine, which you know, was <laughs> kind of obviously in the opposite direction. But, I mean, he had it both in the morale and in the in-game stuff. I mean, he was the perfect manager. So, yeah, it is interesting so to see it. I mean, yeah. that's why I think – where you ask you know, how he's, how he's going to handle this first bit of adversity that he's really faced in this whole experience with the Red Sox. I think it's it's just that. It's I have this resume that I built over a year. Why are you guys questioning me after four days here when you see what I did last year? Yeah. I think that that's not not just deserved, but, you know, I mean, I think it makes sense for him. It's, uh, yeah. it's the way I think he's going to handle it. Um, and he also, you know, there's accountability there, too. He and Daniel Evangie both said in Seattle – our game plans against the Mariners did not work as well as, you know, most of our game plans worked last year. These hitters, it's a different lineup. Uh, I think six of the guys who are starters for the Mariners are new to the lineup, sure. um, a different composition. So um, they said we have to be better. We have to game plan better. And they took some of the blame. They they blamed some of, you know, it on command issues and guys not being able to spot up. And in Eduardo Rodriguez's case, deviating for the game, from the game plan. But um, they were all accountable. And, you know, after five games, it's, yeah, they they know that it it's turning it around soon before the home opener would be great. It, and a quick, if if the adversity doesn't get Alex Cora, which I don't think it will, uh, Rodriguez might. I I don't think <laughs> I don't think there's a person who drives drives Cora. He's his kryptonite. I don't think there's anybody alive who drives him more crazy than than him right now. Yeah, I I think that is is true. I think he's the guy that Cora has to push the most on the team, and that's because. Cora hears from David Price, Chris Sale, and Rick Porcello, who are two Cy Young winners in Sale, who's you know potentially going to be a Hall of Famer if his velocity is up, right? Right. Um, That's the key. And, <laughs> and he hears from those guys, and they say, Eduardo Rodriguez has better stuff than all of us. We wish that we were that guy at his age, and he's just not tapping into that potential because he gets lazy with his game plan, or he has a non-competitive at bat here or there. Previously, he's been you know, not in the best shape heading into spring training. This spring, he came in in good shape. Uh, the early part of spring, he was really impressive. And better had to shape. Kick him in. Right. Better. Better shape. <laughs> Cora had, had to kick him in the tail by telling him to execute yeah. pitches you know, more efficiently against the Mets, and that start in early March. Yeah. He was happy with how things worked throughout spring, and then another setback in his first start. So yeah. with Erod, we'll see, you know, again against Oakland, um, if he can really have a dominant start. They really need him to get deeper into games. That's been the bigger issue, biggest issue with him. Um, and Cora knows that he can push this guy. He's 25 or 26, uh, has all the potential in the world, and he wants to be great. He, Cora wants him to be great, and uh, that's just the strategy that you know you see in all their public comments, whether it's Cora or Levanti or anybody. The tough love publicly is something they do with Rodriguez that they barely do with anyone else. Oh, yeah. Devers a little bit last year, but yeah. 
they know that this is what it takes to push this kid. And um, so far, it's worked at times. And hopefully for them this year, it'll work most of the time. Yeah, no, and it is. It's See, you know, the sale velocity... Obviously, we beat that up pretty good. Every other thing, you can chalk it up to adjust the game. Price was fine, left a couple pitches up. Porcello has those inconsistencies. We know who he is. Evaldi, as good as he was last year, again, you know, he is what he is. He has enough of a track record where you're not expecting him to be dominant every time out, but you don't think you're going to get this from him. Rodriguez is maddeningly inconsistent, and it's all of those frustrating things, which gets lazy with his mechanics and all of that. And so, yeah, it is, you know... Uh, it's you, you you wait for him you wait for him to finally click i mean it, what the most amazing thing is he looked so freaking good right out of the gate uh if you even could bottle up what you had in the first like 5 to 10 eduardo rodriguez starts of his career and go back to that you'd be great it's it's amazing that he's still searching for it and he's a guy who has shown uh, last year he was really good when he was with when he was um out there before he got hurt. And yep. if you look at his stats last year, it's a very good major league pitcher. And yep. um, over the course of a full season, these guys all have potential to be ones or twos. You know, you have, like I said, the two Scion Award winners and Chris Sale to start. You have Avaldi who got paid $17 million a year, and you have Rodriguez, who might be the most talented of them all. So yep. right. it's a very deep rotation, and, and a lot of other teams, Rodriguez is a two. So it's just kind of magnified where he's up against or look being looked at against those other guys, and uh, the bar is higher. Sure. So before we wrap up, I wanted to get into the other big news of the week was uh, the uh, the Xander Bogarts deal, which I think was uh, caught a lot of people by surprise for obvious reasons. Number one, just being he's a Bogarts. I mean, he's a Boris guy. Nobody ever expected this to happen. And also uh, just the, the, the dollars, you know, uh, doesn't seem like that's I mean, if you thought two, three years ago what a guy like Bogarts would get on the open market, you would have thought it was it would be 50% higher than this. So a great deal for the Sox. Uh, a lot of people r- talking and writing about how it's very, very bad for baseball. Um, what's your take on this now? Do you see, I mean, again, I think Mookie's going to be the outlier here, and he's insistent that he's going to free agency, so we'll see. But uh, do you view this as kind of the death of free agency where uh, teams are going to be locking up their guys early and that's just going to be the way now? Well, there's been a way, you know, there's been a wave of this in, yep. in the last few weeks, obviously. Yep, so, of course, with Trout and everything, yep. Once once Machado and Harper came off the board, you saw, you know, Arenado, Arenado. a long deal. Yep. Trout, there's a ton of these guys, Verlander, yep. Sale, Bogarts, uh, yep. Aaron Hicks. I mean, you can yep. go on and on. There's two or three every day, it seems like, yep. even, you know, lesser names. So, um, yeah, I think free agency is not going to be as entertaining as it has been in, in previous years, but it'll be in some ways a lot better than it's been the last two years where it's been really a sad state of affairs. You saw a lot of guys um, last year I thought was, was not entertaining. And I'm a guy who's always loved the hot stove. It's really where I, I really get into this industry and love the winter, love the winter meetings. I still do, but there was nothing um, better than the, than the, than the, than the, uh, than the uh, Crawford, uh, Crawford Gonzalez midnight, you know, yeah, that uh, kind of stuff. That was, was always great, the right. most interesting. And now, you know, you think back to a couple of years ago, you had, you know, all those pitchers in the same same run with Price and yep. Granke and Jordan Zimmerman. And a year later, you had the closers with Jansen and Melanson and Chapman. Um, this year was set up to be the Harper and Machado Fest. And when that happens in spring training, when everybody's just so sick of it, it's like, please just pick a team. Please just sign a deal. It's 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 a relief instead of um, celebration for the game. And I think that that, that relief or, or the positives that come with those guys signing is, is not nullified, but you know, taken down a notch by the fact that you're seeing so many really good players get minor league deals. I think Gio Gonzalez is a guy who 
uh, is a two or three on most staffs, and he got a minor league deal to join the Yankees. You saw Jose Iglesias, former Red Sox, get a minor league deal. Carlos Gonzalez, all these guys. Yep. And now you have, you know, we're a week into the regular season, Craig Kimbrell. Yep. We know well in these parts, and obviously Dallas Keuchel was a Cy Young winner two or three years ago. These guys are still free agents. So the death of free agency is, is probably already happened in a way because, you know, we've seen this, this sea change in literally two years where the, you're seeing really good players either not signed on opening day, which is crazy, or signing minor league deals and below market things. Yep. Um, and so I think that that's scaring the crap out of these guys who are going to hit free agency in a couple of years. And if you have $120 million on the table, take it. You don't yeah. want to deal with the uncertainty. If you're Chris right. Sale, you have $145 million on the table, take it because you don't want to deal with that that market. Rick Porcello is another guy who wanted to sign. He would sign pretty much anything the Red Sox put in front of him that wasn't a complete low ball. Hell, he said he'd take a discount, and the Red Sox weren't willing to do it, but he doesn't want to test that uncertainty. Yeah. People say he might get the Evaldi deal. I, I think at this point, no that chance. would be a bit surprising. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to me, free agency's been dying for a couple of years, and the players are trying to overcompensate by getting their money. I think yeah. it's good for baseball in a way that you're going to have these guys, barring trades, where a lot of these Staying deals include no teams. trade clauses. And I harken back to the old days a little bit where these guys stay with teams and there's yeah. less player movement. And, um, you know, I think that's been a complaint from, you know, just talking to, you know, people like my grandfather. All these players move around too much. It's hard to keep track and you can't get attached. Well, here it's going back a little bit the other way. So, yeah. um, yeah. And that's what's good is it's, it's really been over the two seasons. Last year, wow, all these guys are still unsigned. That's interesting. And then this year, as you mentioned, that wave of let me get my money early and, and not deal with this anymore. Um, so yeah, it feels like over the last two years, that's what's happened. And I, I do like that too. I like that people might stay longer. It's going to put a much greater emphasis on drafting and developing for sure. But, right. uh, that's, you know, it, it's an interesting shift in the game. Um, it does create a little bit more continuity. One guy who we might have a little problem with, and we mentioned Boris as well, is JD now, uh, as Boris hinted the other day that, um, you know, JD's got an opt out and, chances are he's going to exercise it. You know, when the Sox signed this deal, it seemed like a pretty good deal for them. Uh, now, after seeing what JD's done, uh, I mean, there's, I, I see no way that he doesn't tear this thing up and, and, uh, and hit free agency uh, after this year, which is another, a, a real big, I think a lot of people are sleeping on this one. I think everybody's been looking at Mookie and Xander and JBJ uh, and then Sale, which obviously you've, you've checked off two of those boxes, but this is a big one right now. It is. And for the Red Sox, I think an off-season story that really flew under the radar that I remember being a little taken aback by is that the general manager's meetings in Carlsbad right after the World Series, everybody's still on the World Series high. Dave Dombrowski was talking to the media, and, and we asked him, basically, you know, you have all these guys you're going to explore extensions with. He said, yeah, we're, we're going to try to lock up some of these guys. You'd like to keep Mookie a Red Sox for life, keep Sale a Red Sox for life. And I said, what about J.D. Martinez? Is there a, he expressed interest at the All-Star game. J.D. did. And signing a long-term deal that got rid of these opt-outs. Dave Dombrowski said, uh, when asked about an extension for him, we put those opt-outs in there for a reason. There's a medical issue, which is the foot issue that, you know, delayed the deal and caused two mutual opt-outs in, in 2020 and 2021. Uh, that medical has not gone away and we're not interested in a long-term extension. I think that that story really flew under the radar in the Red Sox. A, still having concerns about the foot, and B, not looking at Martinez as the guy they're going to prioritize. To me, that said a lot, because Dombrowski doesn't usually speak about those things in those terms, but he did. Um, 
And to me, Martinez now is was never an extension candidate and now seems like more of a likely candidate to opt out um, come this fall. So um, if he looks at that and says, you know, the Red Sox have this issue with my foot that I don't think is an issue, I think that, that could be a problem in negotiations. I think that the, the possibility of J.D. signing elsewhere um, could really be a thing. You know, it's, could it be could a thing. be a we, we barely knew you type of thing with him. And uh, obviously last year was amazing. He's off to a really hot start now. Um, and he's underpaid. I think that's that's clear. But um, he might just test the market just because um, even with these deals suppressed a little bit, he'll probably, in my mind, I think get uh, a little bit more than than what he's promised over the next three years, which I think is three years and sixty two and a half million. I think some team would be willing to you know extend that guarantee a little bit, whether it's the Red Sox or someone else. I think that they see him as maybe a guy who um, might need to be. Uh, kind of taken off the payroll to re-sign Mookie, which is unfortunate, but uh, there's been no prioritization on Martinez from the Red Sox so far. There's been no uh, will or, or want to negotiate with him, and um, to me, I think he's, he's yeah. a perfect fit here, and uh, it doesn't make that much yeah. sense, but there's still clearly concern about that foot. Yeah, part of it's the foot, and part of it is I think they've already kind of won this first round, uh, as far as he was concerned, to, you know, someone two years younger, uh, with a great track record already, couldn't get a deal from anybody, even though he's had uh, productive seasons, and we assume he's going to have another one here, he's just going to be two years older than the last time he found himself un- unable to sign anywhere, um, and it certainly wasn't because his numbers were down, so they might say, I dare you, you know, do you want to, do you want to do what you did last time? They might think, uh, you know, maybe that's a, it's a leverage play as well, where they're, they assume, you know, he'll, he'll, he won't opt out because he doesn't want to go through what he went through the, uh, you know, two years prior, but uh, yeah, especially I think with a more limited market, you know, exactly. that's probably a, a DH only from, from here on out, right. you know, defensively, we saw some struggles over the weekend and at times he's looked okay, but I don't see a National League team committing to him. Okay, well, I mean, there's a ton. I mean, we're only six days in. There's a ton ton going on already, so it's been super interesting. I can't wait till you take this thing over again to remind everybody. First official Chris Cotillo Red Sox Beat episode is going to drop the morning of the home opener. So that's next Tuesday, uh, April 9th. So everybody, please subscribe. And uh, it's going to be a great season with Chris. And Chris, again, we're super happy to have you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. All right, man.